All right, all right, Rockbridge. My name is Matt, and what an incredible weekend we had. All six of our campuses, as you saw in the video, going out and serving our six, uh, our six communities. So powerful, so incredible. And, and also, let's just remember this, Rockbridge. We do this all the time, really. It's not just one weekend of the year, although we highlight it one weekend of the year. We're giving and going 52 weeks of the year through our Hope Ministry partners. You can always uh, get more information if you, that's something you want to be involved in, you and your small group, you and your family. We've got information in all of our lobbies, or if you're watching online, uh, we can help you out that way if you've got a question in the chat. But again, so glad that you are here. It is an incredible weekend to be in church or to be back in church or whatever's brought, whatever reason has brought you here today. And that's because we start a new series today. And we're going to go through the book of 1 Samuel. And it's an incredible book. We'll probably have to break it up and, and, and do some things of that nature. But if you've got your Bibles, love for you to turn your Bible on or open your Bible up as we walk through this incredible story and we'll meet ourselves in the story. Now, if you're like new to church, new to Rockbridge, I think it's important for us to ask this question. Why are we so committed as a church, as a people, to getting into the Word of God. And I just want to read this from our actual belief statement, which says this. We believe that the Bible, the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments, is the Word of God written by human authors under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So it's from God of God through human authors, right? And it is truth without error, trustworthy, and the supreme authority for all matters of faith and practice. So we believe that when we get into God's Word, God speaks to us. We like to say, don't say God is silent with your Bible closed. Uh, we believe the Bible is kind of like our only tradition. Our first question, what is the Word of God? What does the Bible say? And that you will never grow in your relationship with God without interacting with Him through His Word. And so that's why we are surrendered as a church, submitted as a people, and into the Word of God with high levels of commitment. So we're going to pray that this Word in 1 Samuel works in my life, in your life, in your family, and in the life of our church, all of our campuses and online. Would you bow your heads and join with me? God, I want you to find us right now at least submitted to what you might want to do. And we may not even know what that is. God, we want you to find us expectant because our Bibles are open, and may that reflect the posture of our minds and our hearts. God, I, I know there's some people here that may not believe what we just read about your word, and that's okay. We're glad they're here. But I pray that no matter who is here, why they're here, we would meet with you right now. That's the promise when our Bibles are open and our hearts are open and your spirit is present. Holy Spirit, have your way. You're welcome here. Lead us and guide us in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So to get the context of 1 Samuel, you kind of got to go back to the last verse of the book of Judges. Now, now sandwiched in between Judges and Samuel is this book of the Bible called uh, Ruth, and there's some great stories in there, but the, the context for the nation of Israel is this. In those days, there was no king, no political, no military king in Israel and then here's the indictment. Everyone did whatever seemed right to him. Now, I think there's a time in all of our lives where that seems cool. But we all know families don't work if that's the principle. Airports don't work if that's the principle. <clears throat> Sports teams, organizations, they don't work. Bad things happen. Crazy things happen. 
chaos erupts. But this is, <coughs> excuse me, the condition of God's people. Now, to meet ourselves in the story, and this is the whole thrust of at least the first half or the first book of 1 Samuel, is it's a period of transition. We're going to come out of the period of time known as the Judges, where God would periodically raise up a man or a woman to lead Israel out of spiritual rebellion and bondage and captivity it's a, into the kingdoms of that, well, the kings of Israel. It's a transition from a, more of a theocracy to a monarchy. And Samuel, who this book is named after, is a key transitional figure. And here's the dynamic, and this is how we meet ourselves in the story, okay? Here's the dynamic. Israel's God is Yahweh, right? The covenant name, the personal name of God. That's who he, they have a relationship with. And they begin to believe that their problems will be solved if they have Yahweh and a human king. And they're going to ask God for that, and we'll get to that later on. That's why you've got to be here every week, be in the Word of God. But they believe that if they get this, they'll get what we're all looking for, right? Happiness, security, and identity. And, and, and that's, that's universal. So, you know, yeah, this book is old, but we find ourselves in the book. So that's what they're, that's what they're going to do. Now, here's the thing. You and I, are, are, we're tempted to kind of do the same thing, right? I mean, I've got God, I've got Jesus, plus I've got to fill in the blank. I need to be married I need to have this job. I need these people to like me. Uh, I, I need this piece of property or this material possession, and then I'll be happy, secure, and, I, and, and have my identity, right? And, and God and Jesus and Yahweh, your job is to fill in my blank so I can be happy, secure, and know who I am and have a secure identity and not be lost, right? God, that's your job. Now, now increasingly in our society, in our country, we're just taking this out. We're taking out the God part, and it's just like, hey, let's fill in the blank with whatever seems right, Judges 21, 25, to us. Now, this, this tension and this search, and what do I do with the blank, what do I do with the blanks in my life, we meet that with the story of a simple little girl, a uh, married girl actually, named Hannah. And, and her blank is God plus a son. She doesn't have a kid. She doesn't have a child. And, and she believes happiness, security, and identity will come if her God, the Jewish God, Yahweh, gives her a son. That's the story. Let's jump right in. Verse 1 of chapter 1, 1 Samuel. There was a man from Rahamatham Zophim in the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Eluhu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, and Ephraimite. He had two wives, and here they are. The first was named Hannah. And the second, Peninnah. <clears throat> Peninnah had children, but Hannah was childless. And in this era, right, there's no social security, there's no retirement. If somebody's going to take care of you, you need kids to do it. It's an agricultural society, so they needed, especially they needed men and boys to be able to go out and, and do the hard physical labor. So it, they, the fact that she's childless is like a, a plague on her. She has no safety net. Her status is diminished in, in the eyes of the culture and the eyes of other people. And all cultures have, have statuses that if you are in that status, you're sort of looked on as second class. That's Hannah. So this man would go up from his town every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of armies, your translation may say the Lord of hosts, at Shiloh, where Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and, and I highlight that because these guys are going to play a big role for the first three or four chapters of Samuel. We'll come back to them in the coming weeks. But they were the Lord's priests. Eli, 
the sons of Hophni and Phinehas, those were the Lord's priests. And we zero back in on Hannah. When Elkanah offered a sacrifice, he always gave portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to each of her sons and daughters. But he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her, <clears throat> even though, it's a challenging verse, the Lord had kept her from conceiving. So God is somehow allowing, causing behind this blank in her life. Now, that, now some, I think all of us walked in here, and, and we've probably got some blank. Some of us, our blanks are bigger. Some of you may have three or four blanks. But we all have this blank, like God plus fill in this blank, God, and then I'll have happiness, I'll have security in our identity. And, and so we think, God, God, it's your job to fill in that blank for me or to help me fill in that blank. And this verse says, well, God's the one that created, caused, or allowed the blank in the first place. And there's a tension there. And if you just stop right here, that's when you walk away from God, get mad at God, and you have your story of why you no longer follow God or why you're no longer in church or why you walked away or why you're, you, know, you keep God at an arm's distance because you stopped and didn't understand what all this means. So press in and let's keep moving forward. Her rival, which would be Peninnah, right, <clears throat> would taunt her severely to provoke her because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. There it is again. So her problem is compounded because she's like, hey, God, I want a son, and it'd be nice if I didn't have a Peninnah in my life, right? I mean, it's, like not, it's not enough just to have a problem, but now I have someone who amplifies, exasperates, and makes the problem worse. And I think all of us can relate. You've, we've all said, God, I, I, just, get, just, I just want one blank, not two, not three, not four. And, and sometimes life just seems to deal as that heavy hand, and perhaps that's how you feel. That's, perhaps that's where you are. Or that, that you know someone like that. And so that's where Hannah is. And the, the beautiful thing about the Bible is it is so real and so relevant to us. And God, this morning, this weekend, this Thursday night p.m., whenever, when you're, you're watching this Friday night digitally, whenever you're watching it, God wants to bring this word and do something in your life, in your heart, in the life of our church through it. And so hopefully we can all see ourselves so far in this story of Hannah. The story continues. Year after year, when she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way. Hannah would weep and she would not eat. So her husband tries to fix it. Man, we're really good at that. We want to fix everything. So Elkanah comes to her and look at what he says. I mean, you know, I don't know. He, he, he's, he's trying to be suave, but see what you think. Why are you crying? Her husband Elkanah was asked. Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? Isn't that crazy? I mean, he's trying to have game or something. I don't know what's going on. But the, the message from Elkanah, Elkanah to his wife Hannah is this. Hey, God, plus our great marriage and our romance, that gives you happiness, security, and identity. And I, I bet you there's some people here. Maybe you're single. Maybe you're going through a, a divorce, coming out of a divorce. And you can relate to this. You can relate to this. And, and so we see ourselves, our, our condition of this blank and how we, what are we going to put in the blank? And is God going to help us fill out in the blank? And, and what do we do? What do we do? But before, before we kind of navigate that, here's the, here's the question I think we ought to ask, okay? And we'll see how Hannah answers it in just a minute. Where are our problems? What are they really doing to us? And where do they take us? That, maybe that's even the better question. 
So Israel's going to want a king, all right? And, and that's, that's kind of the big picture of 1 Samuel. Israel's going to want a king. Hannah wants a son. Hannah wants a child. You and I, we probably have some fill-in-the-blanks of things we want more of or less of. And, and what are they doing to us? What, what are, they, are, are they making us, like, bitter? Are they weakening our faith? Are they pushing us away from people, causing us to be angry or cynical? Or are they causing us to be meh? Uh, and, and where are they taking us? Because the, the, the crazy thing, and we've, we've hinted at it, we've, we've talked about it already, the crazy thing, at least for Hannah, she's got this problem, or a, 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 a rival, she doesn't have a baby, a child. But the crazy thing is God's behind the problem. God's behind the problem. And so, where's, what's, what's he going to do? Where's he going to take us? Where's he going to take us? And so, again, let's go, let's go back and, and meet ourselves, right? So, we're going to see what this does to Israel. Israel really wants a human king. Uh, and, and, and that's going to give them, they believe, happiness, security, and identity. Okay? And, and so, we're going to see them journey. And then you and I, we really want, you know, you fill in the blank with your thing. Whatever you brought in here, whatever's heavy on your soul, you fill in the blank. And we really, really want that. And this is sort of the problem. This is the problem. This is the, if I only had this, I would have happiness, security, and identity. This is the kind of, it can dominate our prayers. It can dominate our energy. It can be the source of anxiety, fear, and worry. It can just do so many things, okay? And, and the challenges that we face in this are real. I mean, the challenges first is, it's just the fill in the blank question of, hey, Am I going to get this? Is this going to get resolved? How is this going to work itself out? Because something seems to be missing. That's number one. Number two is the attention given to it. I mean, let's be honest. Some of our fill-in-the-blanks can just be, like, all-consuming. We go to bed thinking about it. If we sleep, we wake up. And, we, and, and then when we wake up, the first thing we do is think about it, pray about it, talk about it. It can come to define us. It can come to uh, drive us to make decisions and make choices. So th all of this is where our problems can take us places and these fill-in-the-blanks that are, exist in our lives that creates confusion with us and God, us and, us, uh, us and other people. And so the, the question that is about to get answered, at least in Hannah's case, is where are these fill-in-the-blanks taking us? What are they doing to us? And where are they taking to us? And here's what happens for Hannah. On one occasion, years of this, finally something happened. Hannah got up. Now, the Septuagint is kind of called the Greek Old Testament. It's the first translation of the Hebrew aspect of the Bible, which is the Old Testament portion that's translated into Greek. And there was about 70 scholars that worked on it. That's kind of why it's named Septuagint. And you see those Roman numerals. It translates this got up as this Hannah got up and presented herself to the Lord and what when you get into the Hebrew of this this get up is a decisive action like I am getting up and I am about to do something it is getting up with resolve it is getting up with a purpose it is getting up with an intention it's getting up with hey I am done doing what I've been doing and it is a new day has dawned my problem, my fill in the blank is about to take me somewhere and it's, she gets up and presents herself to the Lord and you'll see that in just a second. After they ate and drank at Shiloh, and here, here's what it says. The priest, Eli, 
was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple, deeply hurt. So she's transparent. She's given God her heart, but she prayed to the Lord and she wept many tears. You can write this down, Psalm 6, 8. God sees our tears. Sees our tears. And when we come to God in desperation, <coughs> when we come to God, no matter how we come to God, God sees us and God hears us. So this phrase, this, this passage shows us that Hannah is going to act decisively in faith. I like to say this. She prayed until she really prayed. See, and, and you'll, you'll see this unpacked in a second, but a lot of times we pray and it's token prayer. It's a, th- a quick thank you prayer before a meal. It's a quick, now I lay me down to sleep before we go to bed. Prayer can become very rote, very typical, even, and, and we can really even drift into prayerlessness, but Hannah is going to pray until she prays. Watch what happens. So she makes a vow. She gives God a promise. She says, Lord of armies, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me, and give your servant a son, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and his hair will never be cut. So this vow, part of this is the Nazarite vow that we see in Scripture. So look at what she's doing. God, the thing that I think I need to be happy and safe and secure, I'm asking you for that, but I'm going to give it back. I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to give my kid back to you, not just for like one day a week. I'm going to do it for the rest of his life. So Hannah has said, okay, God, give me a son. But then she's like, God, I'm going to give him back to you. I'm asking for a son, but I'm asking with open hands, and I'm really going to give him back to you all the days of his life. Something, it's not quite clear yet, but something has changed. Not, not, in the, not in the blank, but with Hannah. But with Hannah. And I, I, I just wonder, for us, we've got our fill in the blank. I wonder if before we get that blank resolved and filled in, I, I wonder if something needs to change in us. And let God be God. I don't know what that might be for you or for me, or for, but, but let God be God. But I, I just wonder if there's something, you know, we're saying, God, change my life, change my this, give me this, my blank, fill it in, God, with what I'm asking you. But I just wonder if maybe, just maybe, something needs to change in us. Her, praying, her praying excuse me, continues. While she continued praying in the Lord's presence, Eli, one of the priests, watched her mouth. Hannah was praying silently as though her lips were moving, but her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. And that, you know, that could be a misunderstanding. A lot of people misunderstand spiritual passion and spiritual fervor. Be careful about questioning that in other people. But what it probably indicates is it's been so long in Israel since anybody really sought the Lord like this humble, hurt, broken girl, Hannah, that Eli didn't even recognize that she was having a moment of being with God. And he's like the high priest or the priest. And she says, no, my Lord, I am a woman with a broken heart. 
I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and my resentment. I've been giving God all this stuff. <coughs> Eli responded, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant the request you've made of him. May your servant find favor with you, she replied. And then Hannah went on her way. She ate. And she no longer looked despondent. She's no longer in despair. She is no longer full of anguish and resentment. She, she hasn't been eating. Remember her husband was like, please eat. She eats. So physically she's restored. Emotionally, mentally she's rejuvenated. And spiritually she's on fire. Now, let's keep going and see because there's a question. But the blank it's still empty. We continue. The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah woke up early to worship before the Lord after they returned home. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. After some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel because she said, I requested him from the Lord. When Elkanah and all his household went up to make the annual sacrifice and his vow offering to the Lord, Hannah did not go and explained to her husband, after the child is weaned, I will take him to appear in the Lord's presence and to stay there as she vowed permanently. I will give him back to the Lord. Her husband, Elkanah, replied, Do what you think is best and stay here until you've weaned him. May the Lord confirm your word. So Hannah stayed there and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took him with her to Shiloh, as well as a three-year-old bull, half a bushel of flour, and a clay jar of wine. Though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh. There they slaughtered the bull, brought the boy to Eli, and she says, Please, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord gave me what I asked of him, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. And she go, they, then he worshiped the Lord there, and she goes home without a child. Now, a couple of, like, awesome, incredible, crazy things, okay? Starting with after she prays and she gets up and it says she no longer looked despondent. And that's crazy, right? Because here's what we should expect, right? I mean, <coughs> excuse me, this is how I kind of approach things. Look, Hannah prays, Hannah gets pregnant, Hannah becomes happy. That's what we think, right? God, we pray. God, you fill in the blank. Then we're happy. Then we have identity. Then we have security. That's not what the text says. That's not what the text shows. The actual order is Hannah prays. Hannah becomes happy in the Lord. Hannah renounces what she receives. The thing that she thought she needed to be happy, the thing that she thought that she needed to have personal security, the thing that she thought that she needed to have an identity as a woman around, you know, a thousand or so B.C., she gives it back to God. She's already gotten what she needs in her relationship with God. Now, you think about that and you think, God, what's missing from so many of our prayers? And I, I, we thank God, we ask God for wisdom, ask God to be with us, you know, traveling mercies, all of that. But what we see 
Hannah, when she prays until she prays, she adds a couple things. It's specifically three things. First is she adds personal surrender. God, I'm going to surrender anything you give me back to you. You're God. I'm not. And, and, and so she pushes and says, the son, if you give me the son, he goes back to you. She's totally surrendered at this point. She's totally surrendered to God. And, and, and secondly, and you see this as we move into chapter 2, Hannah's prayer echoes, it's, it's, pre, it's before the Lord's prayer, but it <coughs> echoes that she wants God to be glorified. Hallowed be, means God's name, his character, his essence is set apart in us. It's set apart in, in, in our church or set apart in our family. That It's all about the name, the glory, the renown of God. It's, it, that God is actually God-centered. See, we want God to be me, myself, and I centered, right? We think, man, I come to church, I pray prayers, God fills in my blank, and we're good. God's like, no, you seek me, and then you'll be good. Like Hannah. Which gives us a hint that all the attention of 1 Samuel on Israel seeking a king, God, I need a, we need a human king, we need a human king, we need a human king, ain't going to go real well. We'll get there. Got to come back. But Hannah surrenders, and she surrenders herself, her son, big, to something bigger and beyond her family, herself. So I, I wrote this down right before I, I came up here. I think it's important that we say it. The blanks in our lives, God plus blank equals happiness, security, etc. The blanks in our lives are designed to move us to something bigger and beyond us bigger and beyond us listen to hannah's prayer and we'll see it my heart rejoices in the lord my horn my status my condition is lifted up by the lord my mouth boasts over my enemies because i rejoice in your salvation there is no one holy like the lord there is no one beside you there is no rock like our god What's astounding is the first half of 1 Samuel 1 is kind of all about Hannah and all about her condition and all about what she doesn't have and all about her hurt and her anguish and her despondency. And then in chapter 2, she prays this prayer and suddenly now it's all about God. Now, remember I said something needs to happen in us? What if you came in here, turned your computer on wherever you're watching? What if you came in... Cleveland, Hickson, all, one of our six locations. Chatsworth, Calhoun, Dalton. I mean, what if you came in here and you're like, God, fill in the blank for me. But you walked out here and said, God, it's really not about the blank. It's all about you. There's no one, God, like you. And, and if it's you plus nothing, I can still have happiness, security, and identity. I'm not going to read her entire prayer. I'm going to jump to verse 9. God, he guards the steps of his faithful ones, but the wicked perish in darkness. For a person does not prevail by his own strength. You know what that means? Our inabilities is often God's starting point. Our inability, our I can't, is exactly where God wants to meet us and take us forward. I can't save myself. I can't be good enough to go to heaven. I can't earn God's favor. I can receive it. 
by faith. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered, and he will thunder in the heavens against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. And then she prays something, and it just pops up. There's no warning that it's coming. But remember I said the blanks in our lives are designed often permitted the lord did not permit her to have a child the blanks in our lives are often designed by god to push us beyond ourselves and push us to something really someone bigger than ourselves look at this it just shows up in the text he will give power to his king hannah you're just a spiritual girl who's asking god to get pregnant what are you talking about a king what, 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 what are you dealing with here? He will lift up the horn of his anointed. Somehow, through the work of the Holy Spirit in this hurting, yet renewed, restored, and rejuvenated woman of faith, Hannah, somehow she realized that what was going on in her life, this blank this emptiness, this question mark, <coughs> this why haven't you God, this where are you God, this God I need to have this blank or I can't be happy, I can't be secure, I, can't, I don't know who I am. This, this, somehow she realized this whole thing is part of a massive kingdom that God is establishing and building. Hallowed be your name. Remember it? Words of Jesus. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth, starting in my heart, as it is in heaven. That the blank in my heart that I, that I came in here with today is designed, allowed, caused, whatever words you want to put, to push me beyond myself, maybe to bring me back to a God, I, to the God that I walked away from a long time ago, or maybe to push me to deeper levels of trust and satisfaction in him than I've ever known before, realizing that it's a part of something bigger than me and beyond me, the kingdom of God. So Elkanah, he went home to Ramah, but the boy that she couldn't live without, she goes home without. He served the Lord in the presence of the priest, Eli. Personal surrender. God, it's really about you, not me. But God, if you can use me to help do something and be part of something, Eternal, like your kingdom. Your kingdom come through the blank, through the prayers, through the positioning of my life. So here we are. Here we are. I just want to ask you what are you going to do with the blank this morning, this weekend, online? Rockbridge PM. What are you going to do with the blank? We've all got them, right? Maybe it's a surrender. Maybe 
it's going to push you back to God to be renewed and restored in him, not in this whatever this is. And maybe, just maybe, we can see that, hey, yeah, we've all got our blanks and we've all got our challenges and we've all got our prayers and we've all got our problems. But we are designed to be part of something bigger than ourselves. The kingdom of Jesus. You know, the church is the primary instrument of the kingdom right now. Some of you, you need to be a part of the church. You know, not, not just one hour a week. Maybe, it, maybe you just take a step in that direction. Maybe all in is next for you. Small group serving is next for you. Maybe there's a surrender that needs to happen that you've been holding on. Because, you know, what, what this shows us, too, is do you know who God loves to put grace and gifts of grace? You know who, who God loves to give those things to? People with open hands, surrendered hearts, who can say, God, if you're not going to be glorified by this, don't give it to me. God, if your kingdom is not going to advance through this, don't give it to me. I've got all I need because I have you. Do you have Christ this morning? This weekend, this evening, online, Saturday night in your dorm room in Ecuador, do you have Christ? Could you literally say, Jesus plus nothing still equals my happiness, my security, and my identity? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's pray. says in this word that Hannah prayed silently. Her lips were moving, but she was silent. So I'm just going to give you some time to pray silently. However the Holy Spirit's directing you, we're going to let him do it, not me. Every head bowed. You can kneel. You can come to the front of the stage area. You can get down in your floor if you're at home, in your living room, and you can just pray quietly before this Lord that there is no one like him. Lord God, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. In the name of the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray.